Welcome to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. What an absolute treat today. Justin Nasiri is here. He wears so many hats, uh, one of them being the Beyond the Uniform podcast. Currently the president of Executive Presence. Justin, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm very honored to be with you, Tony. Thanks for having me. So what we do a lot on the podcast is, you know, taking military experience and how you implement that currently in your life. Is there something that you take every day and you're constantly applying from your time, you know, either at the Naval Academy or while you were a nuclear engineer in the Navy? I feel like one of the and I'm pausing because I flip flop sometimes on whether this is an asset or a liability, probably like like many things it can be both. You know, I, I heard that story that probably many veterans have heard of the message to Garcia and the sense of, you know, not really having a ton of direction and figuring it out. And to me, that's really what entrepreneurship has been, which is, you know, there's just no shortage of ambiguity. I find it surprising because when I talk with people who didn't serve in the military, I think oftentimes the perception is that the military is about following orders and not a lot of thought. And and my experience and all of the veterans I've interviewed, that's not anywhere in the ballpark of truth. The, the truth is there was so much ambiguity. There was so much on-the-fly decision-making under pressure. And and I was on, on submarines. I wasn't even on, you know, on the front lines or anything, which is even crazier, or, or at least I imagine. So, you know, that for me is entrepreneurship. Is like every day there are unexpected challenges because as an entrepreneur, you're bringing something new into the world. And that by definition means there's going to be a lot of unknowns and a lot that you need to figure out. You know, the the flip side of that, just to be fair, is I feel like that caused me when I first started this journey, you know, 10 plus years ago, it caused me to learn by mistakes rather than just finding mentors and reading books and just realizing that, yes, a lot of this is novel, but I don't have to get my hands dirty to figure out all of it. And even I kind of look back in retrospect and and long for an apprenticeship period of having worked at an actual startup and, and learned the ropes on someone else's dime. I kind of learned a lot through my own mistakes, which is a really costly way to learn. So a long answer to your question, but I feel like, you know, the ability that I learned in the military to operate and execute really well without a lot of instruction for the most part has benefited me. But in some ways, it's kind of held me back. And that's interesting you say that it's held you back, right? Because everyone recognizes that in the military, we're working towards an end state. And that's really entrepreneurship. You have some sort of idea where you want to go. Along the way, it's it's a choose-your-own-adventure book. 100%, yep. And doing that, you mentioned Larry Garcia. You, did, you said you didn't really have like a specific mentor, but is there someone that you look to or you really kind of pulled from to kind of fuel in those gaps as you made mistakes and you were learning those lessons? Well, I'm, you know, I'm what, maybe 13 years into entrepreneurship now. And and the way that I do it now is really 
different. You know, I, I have, you know, just last week I met, I, I've constructed a quarterly advisory board. And right now it's just two people that I really like and trust who have a lot of experience, you know, decades more than me. And, you know, using 90 minutes once a quarter to really think through the biggest challenges and get their advice. And it was, it was great. One of the advisors I've worked with for so long, he, you know, he called me out multiple times in this meeting for like, he just really picked up on a judgment that I had or a false assumption that I didn't even realize I had. You know, I said something like, um, I didn't want to build an agency and have some, you know, jerk buy it from me who doesn't know what they're doing. And he's like, oh, Justin, let's back up there. You know, if, if someone's buying you, they've probably know what they're doing and they might actually be a really great leader. He was just like little things like that of, of spotting my blind spots. So one thing is really for me trying to listen more, which is hard, and really trying to find people with a different background and, and respecting that. And then the second thing for me is I've, I've made it almost a religious level pursuit of um, committing to reading every single day a business book. And, you know, I think I shied away from that for the first eight years of my entrepreneurial journey. And one of the things I found in interviewing people for, for Beyond the Uniform is like some of the leaders that I most admire it's so clear that they're always reading, like they're referencing books or they're referring books. And so I've, you know, racked up probably, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars of book fees now from just buying these books and trying to just churn through them. And I really regret that I didn't do that earlier in my career because it, there's just so much, there's so much knowledge out there. And, you know, the last thing I'll say with that is like, it's, it feels like it's almost one part learning but one part energizing a different part of my brain. And I find that at night when I'm reading, a lot of times I'll start to have ideas and it kind of unhinges my creativity in a good way as I'm just kind of, I don't know, accessing information in a different way than I do in my day-to-day. -day. And that uncomfortability you mentioned in the first part of that leads to growth. Where do you go to seek and find people in places that you aren't comfortable in where you want to learn more? You know, I'm curious your thoughts on this. The first thing that comes up for me is I found I'm a really poor predictor of who's going to be a good teacher. And I almost, you know, this has happened so many times now with Beyond the Uniform. It's almost become a rule. Like you, Beyond the Uniform is just something I do on the side. And, you know, like you, I, I get stressed about all the things on my plate. And I've had this experience probably 30 times now where I'm, I'm, you know, about to go into an interview and I'm about to cancel it. Cause I'm like, I don't even know who this is. Like, I just, I don't have time for this. And without exception, every time that thought occurs, it ends up being one of the best conversations I've ever had. It's like, it's unreal how often this happens. So I've just seen this again and again that, you know, sometimes I put people on a pedestal. I'm like, I'm going to learn a lot from them. And then sometimes I'm really dismissive and judgmental. I'm like, who is this person? What do I have to learn from them? And I end up taking notes the whole time because they just floor me with what they know. So, you know, the first thing that comes up for me is I'm really wanting to cultivate more openness and more, honestly, humility of just realizing that like, degrees mean nothing, pedigree means nothing, experience, like all of these things that I put so much weight on, 
it doesn't really correlate to like someone being a better teacher. And so um, that's that's one piece of it. And then a big piece for me around discomfort is um, I meet every week with a men's group and I've you know done this in some capacity for about five years now. And it's much more, you know, personal growth. It's not really networking or anything, but I find it's a really good vehicle for making me uncomfortable. And that's everything from just learning to be more vulnerable with other men, learning to be more honest and raw about the good and the bad of my experience. And depending on who's leading that, there can also be exercises that we go through that are really confronting and really, you know, really take me well outside of my comfort zone. But I, I do it because I realize even though I don't enjoy it, I see the benefit of it in my, my personal and professional life. So that's kind of another area that I try to embrace discomfort. It's interesting, the common thread between those two things are they're both incubators in some sort, right? Like you, you think you know who you're going to get and you think you know what you're going to talk about. I have yet you know, however many episodes, almost a year into this, come in and close with the same theme that I wanted to go into with a guest because you just can't control the conversation. It's like combat, right? Like, you know, you only know so many variables and what the, what the other person brings to the conversation. And then they both force you to grow in those different areas. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's a great insight. I hadn't connected those those two. So I, it, it strikes me as true, but I didn't realize that till you you said that. I appreciate that reflection. Thank you. And I have to ask, what are you reading right now? So the one I'm reading right now is called Masters of Scale. And this one is actually interesting because I, you know, haven't done this in a long time. I went to Barnes and Noble and just wandered around and just grabbed it. It's uh, Reed Hoffman who founded LinkedIn. And um, he has a podcast that I, I haven't listened to where he interviews, you know, some of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. And um, it's taken me a while to get through this one. But I think the thing that stands out for me, and I'm embarrassed to say this, is I've realized in reading this book how sometimes when others are successful, I chalk it up as luck. And I think that's because I've had my own tumultuous journey as an entrepreneur with a lot of failure. And what I have seen in this, you know, as he goes really deep with these incredible entrepreneurs is like, of course, there is an element of luck, but there is an unbelievable amount of skill. And as I kind of hear about how these people have thought of building a team and kind of how they've navigated this journey, it's really inspiring. And he he's, does a great job of pulling out the insights of like principles for growing a company, which is a, a huge area of interest. And then the, the one I'm so eager to get to after that that I'm holding up is called Play Bigger. And um, I forget who recommended this one to me, but it's uh, the new how-to guide for entrepreneurs and executives who want to build legendary, enduring companies. And, you know, I've got at this point, I've got on my bookshelf behind me probably 10 more books in the queue. And I just try to, you know, once I finish a book, I just try to like let my intuition guide me of, you know, I, you know, play bigger as a concept I think I struggle with of just wanting to stay in the shadows and not be in the spotlight. And that seems like the next step that I need to focus on is being more comfortable thinking big and, and swinging for the fences. You know, as someone who's who's failed to knock it out of the park many times, sometimes I get this knee-jerk reaction against that, and I'm trying to, to correct for it. So as you look to kind of lean in to go bigger, what specifically is helping you do that? Oh, man. Wow. What, a, uh, what an exceptional question, because I literally last night, I, I lead a men's group with veterans, actually, every every other Tuesday. And um, 
that was what we were working on. And, you know, I've read about it in various ways, but the the phrase that sticks with me most is what what are called limiting core beliefs. And these are subconscious, usually, beliefs that we usually take on throughout our life and in childhood, and we just kind of tell them to ourselves and we end up believing they're true. And, you know, like, for example, one of my limiting beliefs is like, it will never last. So, you know, as I'm building a company, as I experience success, there's this little voice in my, in my head that's like, yeah, and it'll never last. And it's really deflating. You know, it's kind of there to protect me, I think, to keep me from being disappointed, but it ends up really sabotaging. So a couple of things that I, I do, you know, I'm literally on day 91 of this. One thing that I've I've done for the last 91 days is I start every morning, I do a meditation, and then I do five minutes of visualization. And it is literally five minutes where I'm envisioning what I'm wanting for this year and, and specifically envisioning it with gratitude. You know, I'm so grateful for making X dollars this year. I'm so grateful for this. And you know, I didn't come from an athletic background, but all the athletes I talk with and respect, like, I feel like they're doing something right with the power of visualization and picturing the game and picturing all these things. And I, I do that exact same exercise. It is literally every night when I, you know, turn off the light next to my wife, I, I go through in the same way. I just kind of visualize these things. And it's a way of feeling in my body what I'm wanting, the way that I'm wanting to play bigger. And that's that's had a huge, 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 unbelievable impact in the last 90 days. And then, you know, the other thing is with these limiting core beliefs, part of the work that I was doing with these guys last night was um, coming up with, there's an author named Byron Katie. She calls it the turnaround. And she has this kind of process to figure out like, what's what's an opposite statement that might actually be more true? And, you know, thanks to one of the guys in this group, the phrase I'm working with right now is it doesn't have to last forever. And it's so liberating for me to try to retrain that. It's a phrase I just kind of, you know, as a mantra right now, I'm using constantly of, yeah, it doesn't have to last. Like, like my company is doing great right now and it doesn't have to be like this forever. Whatever is next, I'm going to welcome and it could be even better. And it doesn't, you know, I, I kind of cling sometimes to the success. And so maybe a little bit more detailed answer than you're wanting, but it's something I'm just thinking about a lot. And um, I would have I would have dismissed this about 10 years ago, but I'm just, you know, I just feel like our minds are incredibly powerful and we're able to really convince ourselves that we're defeated when we're not. And I think that causes me sometimes to give up right when I should be digging in. So I'm glad you asked that question. That's exactly the insight we're looking for here on the Gotcha Six podcast. <laughs> I know not just me, but the Sixers as a whole. You talked about gratitude and really accepting gratitude is something you wouldn't have done 10 years ago. Would you say that's been the most profound change you've made personally? to kind of really open yourself up and break away from these like core limiting beliefs as you, you kind of learn more about them as you go? Yeah, you know, so a, a book that I'm both embarrassed to recommend and absolutely recommend, it's called You Are a Badass at Making Money. Jen Cesaro. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Okay, great. Yeah, you know, she, I read her book and I took, I took like a, you know, $250 online course and love, love, love her, her writing. And I think there's so much good stuff there. And I bring it up because I think that gratitude is probably number two for me, but I think number one is believing I deserve it 
and believing it's possible. And I'm, I'm really, you know, literally in the last 48 hours, really starting to see how subtly I give up or don't try whether it's, um, you know, whether it's, I just raised my prices in my company and there's a part of me that like was really hard to do that. And I got in the last 36 hours, got two yeses immediately, no pushback. Right. But it was very, very hard. And I think the, the foundational insecurity was, you know, I, I'm not worth that. Am I really going to charge this or it's not possible. And the reason why I think that is so insidious is when I listen to it, I don't even try. Like I, I actually believe that is not possible. And, you know, with one of my men's groups, you know, we were kind of coming up with a goal for the year. And for me, you know, for a lot of them, it's about family or other things. For me, it's about finances because I have some hangups there. And I ended up making this goal for this year that's literally, you know, three or four times than I've ever made before in a year. And the power in doing that was at the time, it was this huge, like, like jumping off a cliff to even say it. I felt so guilty even wanting that, but it was like something shifted when I started to believe that. And it, it caused me to start viewing things in different ways of like, man, if I'm going to make that amount of money, I got to think differently. I got to, you know, I can't just be playing small. So, you know, gratitude is great and happy to talk about that because that's, you know, definitely the silver medal in my life right now. But but it it starts for me of just, you know, this thought of like, I deserve it. And, and you know, last thing I'll say with that is, you know, when I was working with my guys last night on this, it was a surprise to me. Like I saw it in myself in working with them, how many couldn't let go, couldn't give themselves permission. Like they, there was something they clearly wanted. They wanted love or acceptance or a relationship or whatever it was. And even visualizing that, even saying that was really hard. And I realized, you know, in that moment, man, it's, it's really tough for me too. And that's the, that's the very first step. If I can't do that, nothing's going to happen. But once you do take that step, even if it just, you're starting to lean into that direction, momentum starts to take over. Right. Like you said, back then, you know, that's only a couple months ago. And now you're like, I didn't feel like it was possible. And now it's like, I don't see how that's not possible. And that shift is incredible. Yeah. It's and I don't I don't want to make this about money. Like I think that sometimes we get off-roaded by fixating on that. But but for me, that just for for your audience, that's kind of like my hang up. That's where that's where I need to work right now. But you know, one of the the phrases I I came up with, you know, months ago was like, oh, I wanna, I wanna get this brand new Tesla. I love Tesla. And it was like something that felt so not in the realm of something I would do. And like, you know, last week we we put down our deposit. Last weekend we had the car all weekend. They let us do a test drive. It has gone from something that was outside of my possibilities to something that is like an assumed now, like, oh, yeah, that's arriving in August. But I just share that because it's like, that's how quickly things can change when we start to pinpoint these things that hold us back is that something that before felt so out of reach or so not in the world of possibility, like within months can become this like default assumption of like, oh yeah, whatever. It's not a big deal. And that's like, that's just really powerful to see. And just hearing you talk about it in the body language for the Sixers, because we can't see that right now. Uh, it is incredible to watch. The more you talk about it, the more you get excited, the more you get amped. It, it's awesome. 
And like you said, to get there, right, there's an assumption that needs to be made that you can do it. And along the way, like you, there was assumptions you made where you couldn't do it. So where has failure presented itself in your life that's ultimately led to a great success? Man, there's certainly no, no shortage of failure. I think I've kind of screwed up everything in startups that can be screwed up. And I, you know, I think at this point, in, as of today, you know, in my life, I'm, I'm fortunate. I feel like I've kind of emerged from a long, long wandering in the wilderness. And during that wilderness exploration, a lot of these failures felt permanent. And now, you know, with I, my company executive presence and growing, you know, faster than I felt before with a company, I'm starting to see all of those failures that are keeping me from doing it again. And, you know, everything I've, I've given away my product for free, which was a huge mistake. I've undersold it, which was a huge mistake. I've, you know, sold to a client and then got distracted by bringing in more business and ignored that client and had them fire me. You know, I've like, I've kind of made these mistakes where I feel like those mistakes are now becoming the structure of this new organization that I'm building. It's like the bones and the guts are all based on just, just some colossal F up that I've done in the past. So let me, let me think of one that's maybe more specific though. Um, I think one of them is just not trusting my intuition. You know, I can be desperate sometimes as a salesperson and I just want to make the sale. And I think that's probably very common for salespeople. And with executive presence, you know, I spend a lot of time with my clients and there's been probably four deals so far where I caught myself like trying to close this or reaching out to follow up. And there was just something about the, the client that was, just, it just didn't seem like a good fit. Like in my gut, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. And I just, I just let it go. And that feels both good because I'm not going to be doing what I've done before, which is just hating, <laughs> you know, hating the work that I do with someone because I don't want to be around them. But I think it's also cultivating more abundance where, you know, I just, I'm like in this state right now where it's like, oh, there's more business than I can handle. And like, that's a great mindset, whether it's true or not, because when I'm not operating from that place, it's just like, you, I just find myself really tightly holding on to everything, every conversation. I know I'm bringing that desperation in versus now it's like, I really don't care if you work with me or not. Like, it's like, it, it's just like a completely different energy that affects everything. But some of that comes from making the mistake of just doing desperate things to get a deal that then I end up paying for, for a year of pain. Justin, thank you so much for your time. Before you go, I have one last question. How are you today better than yesterday? Today, I, uh, you know, I, I, with one of my men's groups, we're on a thread. So I, I really, um, I think one of my hangups is sugar. And, um, so we started, uh, you know, with two other guys, we started a low WhatsApp thread where we're just taking photos of the food we eat before we eat it. You know, I feel a lot better today doing that. I'm not, you know, I'm being, I'm pausing for a second before I shovel something in my mouth. <laughs> and, you know, that, that second hesitation and also the, you know, the fear of judgment has, has had me eating better today than usual. And I'm, I'm seeing, you know, I feel like I'm putting the premium gas in my gas tank today versus the low octane stuff I put in usually. And, and, uh, that's making me feel a lot more focused. That's awesome. And we here at the Gosh Six podcast love anytime someone takes a tactical pause. Where can people go to connect with you? Obviously, the Beyond the Uniform podcast is a great spot. Where else? 
Um, you know, uh, email, feel free to email me. My email is just justin at executivepresence.io. Um, fairly active on LinkedIn and a, and a pretty unique last name. So easy to find me on LinkedIn as well. Justin, again, thank you for sharing your methods, your strategies, your advice. And of course, thank you for having our six today. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you. You know, Tony, I'll say I've, I've been on a lot of podcasts and I think you are, are the best interview I, I've worked with where I just appreciate how you track and just are present. And uh, you gave me a lot to think about. You were able to synthesize a lot in a way that was helpful for me. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Sixers, thank you for listening to another episode of the Gotcha Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass it along. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and give us as many stars as you think we warrant because we love what we do here at the Gotcha Six podcast. We're always adapting and evolving this podcast because of you, the Sixers. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. You'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.